everyone, welcome to the series called The Talk of the Table, where we're getting away from small talk and we're getting to the meat of the matter. Real, powerful conversations that can change your world. In this episode, we're gonna talk about how you can share your faith with other people or how you can understand faith in a deeper way. We hope that this talk will have an impact on you. I wanna invite you to stay to the end where I have some more information for you. And before you log off, don't forget to go to branchlife.church to fill out your connection card. We'd love to connect with you. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy this episode. In the uh, 1960s, I think it was, Rolls-Royce released kind of a newspaper-style article that that kind of became famous, and the headline on that article advertisement was that Rolls-Royce, at 60 miles an hour, the loudest sound that you hear inside the cabin is the electronic clock. Right? And it was, it was meant to, to say, wow, I know when I drove over here in our minivan, it was not quite to like Rolls-Royce status, right? Like the, the idea was that, that you're supposed to, to be so impressed by the design of this car that you could sit in it and drive at 60 miles an hour and the only thing that you would hear is the sound of an electronic clock ticking to the next minute. Now, I'm not wealthy enough to have any idea if that's true or not, but it was a great advertisement because it created a longing within people for for something more, for something beautiful, for something that was designed well. We're talking uh, today about the talk and uh, you might, if you're a parent, have a different idea of what that might be, but we're, we're talking about the talk about how to talk about Jesus with others. And there's a lot of different ways that, that people can start that conversation, and it's not that necessarily other ways are wrong, but I want to encourage us today that a great place to start with people, and it's really an easy place to start with people, is to to talk about God's design for the way things are supposed to be. And and just like Rolls-Royce wanted people to kind of long for something that was beautiful, that was designed well, that, that was missing in their experience of automobiles, when we start and we talk with others about God's design for the world, We can start in that similar type of place. A really smart guy, a famous mathematician and and other thing, his name was Blaise Pascal. He lived in the 1600s, and uh, he said something like this. He said, make 
religion or make Christianity attractive. Make people wish that it were true and then show it, show them that it is. And when we talk, when we start with God's design, it's that kind of idea of, of helping people know maybe that they would wish that this could be true. And rather than getting into a fight about this evidence for God or, or what about this question or this issue or, or all of those things, we can paint a picture of the beauty of God's design. And we're going to take a look and we're going to kind of work through that. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it talks about the creation story and how God designed things at the beginning. And at the end of that, as to, to sum it up, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31 says this, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. The fact of the matter is that God has designed this world, has designed our lives perfectly. And we're going to see this morning both that's the way that it was in the beginning, but that's also the way it's going to be at the end of all times. And God's design was both good at the beginning there's some brokenness that we're going to talk about primarily next week that's part of, it, part of our experience today. But for eternity in the future, people can experience the greatness, the goodness, the beauty of God's design. So we're going to, we're going to take a look at uh, five different areas this morning that, that highlight this goodness of God's design. And if you have a Bible, we encourage you to, to take a look. If you have a physical copy with you, you can stick your finger in Genesis like 1 and 2, the first page or two of your Bible, and then go all the way to the end, and maybe you have a concordance or some notes or something at the end, but like the last page, chapters 21 and chapters 22 of Revelation. And we're pretty much just going to flip back and forth between these two uh, passages of Scripture and, and highlight the goodness of God's design. And the first thing that we're going to see is that we have perfect relationships. We have perfect relationships. My wife just walked in the back door, so like our marriage. She just shook her head. It's not perfect. I, really, I thought, I thought, man, I'm going to, no. But we are designed to have perfect relationships in our life. Uh, everything that, that we have, the way that we interact with one another, our families, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, God designed us to have perfect relationships. In Genesis uh, chapter 2 verses 18 and then down to 23 it says this, then the Lord God said that it is not good that the man should be alone. I'll just really affirm that it's really good that I'm not alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And we, we see that man and woman, kind of that, that classic men are from Mars, women are from Venus, like that, that relationship that we think has to be fraught 
with conflict and difficulty is actually designed by God to be a perfect side-by-side, going through life together, working together at what God has. And so at the the most foundational level of a one-on-one relationship, God has designed us for perfection. That's what He desires. He wants those relationships to be perfectly uh, loving and respectful and kind and productive towards one another. But then as we flip towards uh, the end of the Bible and we take a look at at Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, it it says this, then the angel, this is like the picture of the new Jerusalem, the, the new heavens and earth, the end of time. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And so part of what what God has for the future is that what we would call the nations or the ethnicities or the the people groups of this world would have a, a perfect existence, that they would be in perfect relationship with one another. We heard a lot this week about the 500 days of the war between Uh, Russia and Ukraine. We want to continue to to pray for that situation and and pray for the the believers in Christ and and that in those those areas. But but our world, whether it's Ukraine and Russia or whether it's other parts of the world, is filled with conflict of people groups being at odds with one another, of literally going to war with one another. And so whether it's on the one-on-one relationship characterized maybe by marriage or whether it's on a global scale, God desires that we have perfect relationships. That's his design for how the world is supposed to work. And, And I would maybe say it this way that That God designed relationships to give life, not drain it. God designed the relationships in our lives to give life, not drain it. Do you have any, like, relationship vampires in your life? All right, those people that that no matter how you interact with them, you always kind of leave feeling like, I don't think that went so well. There was a guy, we'll call his, him Bob, that's not his name. He was part of a, a previous ministry that I was part of, and, and for some reason, I, fe- I, <laughs> I really wanted this guy to grow in the Lord, and, and he was interested in it, and, and, that, and so I invested time, and, and, and we worked together a lot. But I'll tell you what, every time at the end of the conversation, it was just like, oh, this is exhausting. Like, we had an hour-long conversation about whether or not he, the legitimacy of his addiction to milk. Like, this was like, just, what are we talking about? And, and, and I, I, I just, you know, you, you'd walk away. And that probably says more about me than it does of him and, and of my selfishness and, and, and that. Like, I, I, but... But the reality is, is, is that we have those relationships in our life where it's, it's not the way that God designs it. 
And sort of like a vampire, it might suck the life out of us. That's, that's not what God wants for our relationships. That's not what God designed life to be like. And we might have coping mechanisms and we might have, have ideas of like, hey, you need to get the, the negative people out of your life or you need to do this and, and that. And the, some of those things might be okay or decent strategies. But God's design and the way it's going to be in the future is that everyone who is on his perfected earth and perfected creation in that is going to have a perfect relationship with one another. Wouldn't that be great? Sounds pretty good. And it's only like half a step for Brooke and I to get there. Uh, the next thing that we say is that, that our, our perfect work, perfect work, the worst job that I ever had, I worked the summer after I graduated from college for, a, for an organization called Vacay Masonry. And it was awful. I didn't even qualify to be like a laborer on this masonry construction crew. I couldn't do anything right. And they would let me know it in all sorts of crude and disgusting ways. I couldn't make the cement. I, couldn't, I could barely move it. All I did all summer long was pick up cinder blocks and move them to get in the way, and then they would yell at me that I wasn't even doing that right. It was awful. It was not my dream job. And I got out of it as fast as possible. Some of us enjoy what we do. I'm blessed to love what I do here at Branch Life and, and that. And I, I hope that that's true for you as well. But, but none of us, even in the best of circumstances, have this, this perfect work. But, but God's design for us is that, that we would have a perfect experience of work, that, that we would be productive with our lives in a way that, that had no regret or no frustrations. In the beginning, verse 28 of chapter 1, God blessed them, talking about Adam and Eve, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And you, you may wish that, that work was not part of God's design. <laughs> maybe you're in a job that, that you'd rather not have yet. Or, or maybe you're a year or a couple of years away from retirement and you're looking forward to that or, or whatever the case may be. But, but God has designed all of us to work. To work in a productive, rewarding sort of way. And that continues on into the future in Revelation chapter 22, verse 3, it says, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. We're going to be serving God forever. And that doesn't just mean in a, in a big 
church service for all of time. We're going to, to reign with him. There, there's going to be things and jobs that, that people have within the eternal kingdom and, and the new heavens and the new earth, and, and we are going to work. And we are, in fact, designed for work and it, for it to be rewarding. Our work is, is designed to be rewarding. And not just in a way that, that kind of gives us personal satisfaction. Right? Some of us work and we think, well, our job would be perfect if, if we just made more money. Or, or, or my job would be, would be great if, if I was able to do what I wanted. Or my, my job would, would be great if I were to, to, to maybe impact other people. And, and the, the measure of work being rewarding is not just personal fulfillment. That might be part of it. But the ultimate way that, that God is, has for us and, and has for work to be rewarding is that we are doing what he has created us for. And that we are reflecting what he has done. The, the creation accounts, and we're going to look at it a little later on in the, the, the service, but talks about his work of creating. God is a working God. Jesus is, is working and preparing a place for us in heaven as we speak. He is working on our behalf. When we do this and when we have rewarding work, it's not measured on our personal fulfillment, although we will be completely and perfectly fulfilled for eternity, but it's because we have been perfected and are acting in the way that God has created us to be and to perfectly reflect who he is. <coughs> the other side of that then is that we're, we're not just created for perfect work, but we're also created for perfect rest. Perfect rest. This last week, last Sunday after the second service, my family took off to to Ocean City, New Jersey, and, and uh, we're grateful for some friends in the church here that, that helped make that, that possible. But uh, we enjoyed uh, a few days over at the shore, and uh, my wife and I went out on a date on the last morning we were there, Wednesday morning. And my wife said, I think this is the first time I felt relaxed all week. And that was good. I mean, you take kids to the shore in Ocean City and you got to do the boardwalk and there's sand castles to build and, and white waves to raid, ride and, and all of this type of stuff. We, we did. We had a great time. But we like had a moment of like, oh, this is nice. You can relax. Have a moment of rest. And you know what happened? Like... A couple minutes later, we had to go back because we had kids at a house that were like, we had to make sure that they were still alive. But, but God designed us not just for perfect work, but also for perfect rest. In Genesis chapter 2, uh, kind of piggybacking on what we were just talking about with God's work, it says, on the seventh day, so he created for six days, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. 
And we, we project into the future and we, we flip back a little bit further in Revelation, back to chapter 14, verse, verse 13 here. And in the context, they've just been talking about kind of this, this difficult period of time in the future and people are being martyred and, and having to withstand in the faith in very diff- difficult circumstances. And, and, that, and, and it says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. And what the, the book of Revelation is saying at this point is, is when we get to be with God for eternity, we get to rest from the exhaustion of trying to find those moments of rest. It'll just be part of who we are. That at the same time we're working in a way that is completely fulfilling, we'll also be completely at rest. And, and the reason for that is because Jesus is the source of rest. That, that verse back here said that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. What are their deeds? They believed in Jesus. They trusted in him and said, I know that whatever the crazy circumstances are, whatever the persecution, whatever the difficulties that I may be experiencing right now, however burdensome and hard and difficult and painful this life might be, I am going to remain faithful to my faith in Jesus Christ that he provides life, that he provides rest, that he provides fulfillment to all of the desires and all of the needs and all of the shortcomings of life. And the way that we experience rest for eternity is by receiving it from Jesus. And that doesn't have to wait until heaven. We can receive through God's Spirit that rest in our spirits and souls. And it may not be perfect because we're still kind of in progress but we can have rest and renewal. The, the next area that we want to think about is, is the idea that, that we're also supposed to have a perfect environment. A perfect environment. We're hearing a lot about uh, the environment uh, these days. There's record temperatures. It's like, I think, 430 degrees in Phoenix today, right? Like, it's like this huge heat wave and and maybe it's global warming, or, or maybe it's wildfires in, in Canada, or, or whatever the case may be. But we're, we're hearing these, these problems with our environment, with creation. And, and creation is, whatever you want to call it, is broken. <laughs> Romans says that even creation is longing and groaning and waiting for Jesus to come back to, to, to fix it. And, and we can be, and we should long for, we, we don't have to feel bad or weird about being pro-environment. And the, and the reason is because our eternal futures is not just some ethereal cloud spiritual existence, but our eternal existence is going to be on the earth <laughs> And God is going to completely renew it or, or maybe recreate it. I don't know. He's got it figured out. But, but, but we 
can, can look here and, and we, we can be okay with the fact that it's not quite the way that God designed it, but also that, that God is going to, to fix it. And we can long, we can work for, we can, we can want uh, a, a perfect creation. I had, I had lunch, a, a table talk this week with a guy, and we were at a diner, and his big thing is the environment and, and getting rid of trash and, and all of that. And hey, great, let's do that. Because God has designed this environment, this creation, to be a perfect reality. And just like everything else in our lives, in our existence, like we can't fix it all. <laughs> He's the only one that, that can, and so we need to, to hold all of those things in balance. But, but we need to remember that, that God has designed a perfect environment. Um, oh, here we go. I think I... I <laughs> the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he'd formed. The Bible talks about a, a place called, called Eden. And we even refer to that in, in common language today of, of the, the ideal of God's perfection and creation. And then in the, the future, we saw that, that there's going to be this new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. That, that God is going to restore and create, recreate the world. And God designed our world to thrive. God designed our world to thrive, and we can celebrate that and, and look forward to that completion. The last thing that, that we want to talk about and highlight, and, and is, is probably the most important, <laughs> is that, that, that we're to be perfect with God. God is, is part of his perfect design. Right? We could, we could talk about the beautiful paintings that, that might be in a museum, and we can go and, and we can look, and even if it's a, a self-portrait, that's not the real person that's, that's in that, that work of art. But God is meant to be not just the designer, not just the maker, not just the one that, that put all this together, but, but God's design is only perfect when he is in it, when he is in it. The, it says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. In the beginning, God blessed Adam and Eve, and part of that blessing was that he was in a perfect relationship with him. In Genesis 3, where it talks about the, the way that Adam and Eve sinned and, and all of that, and it talks about God coming to the garden and, and going to walk with them. And the implication is, like, this was a regular thing that happened for Adam and Eve, because they were, they were hiding, they were trying to, to avoid, they, they knew he was coming when they heard his voice, and they, they hid themselves. But the design was that, that God and Adam and Eve and humanity would be in perfect relationship with one another, that there would be a, a friendship, uh, a kinship, a, a, a relationship with, with one another. 
In Revelation 21, verse 3, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Part of the, the beauty of the eternal design of God is that we will perfectly be with God forever. We will perfectly be with God forever. Because you and I are designed for a relationship with God. It's part of how God has made us. That, that we are designed for a relationship with Him. And, and our lives are only perfect when God is at the center of it. And it can't be, you know, that, that He's just a minor part you know, Stan Lee, the, the comic writer and, and the, all the Marvel movies that, that he kind of uh, was the, the foundation for in that, he made like little cameos. Some of us that, that are older or watch the reruns might remember like Alfred Hitchcock used to do the same type of thing. Like he'd show up in the background of some scene in a movie. And, and it was kind of a, a fun little thing to see where he would show up. That's not the way that it's supposed to be when God is in the... It's not like he's just like making a cameo in our life. God is meant to be the central defining relationship of our life. That what he's done and who he says we are is the most true thing about our identity, about our existence, and about how we go through life. And God's designed us to be in a perfect relationship with him. So we've kind of gone through and, and walked through sort of the, the foundation of the, this relationship. There's, there's other things that we could say and other perfections that are part of, of God's design. But I wanted to, to highlight these five because these really are, are probably some of the most common touch points that you'll have with the people in your life. And as you seek to, to have them into your home, to, to go to a diner, to, to have lunch together or breakfast or whatever the case may be, and you're, you're seeking to have one of these table conversations, I can almost guarantee that in one way or another, one of these five subjects is going to come up. You're going to talk about relationships. You're going to talk about work. It's summertime, you're probably going to talk about vacation, right? You're going to talk about the environment and how hot it is or how cold or the rain or this or that. You're going to talk about all of these things. And you, you might even talk about God and, and your relationship with, with him. That's what happened this week. Sometimes, you know, being a, a pastor sometimes is a two-edged sword. Sometimes, like, people find that out and they, like, Clam up. I can't find the exit fast enough. Other times, they like they, they sit down and they're like, and this is what happened this week with me. We sat down, we had lunch, and, and the, the individual thought, well, I guess I gotta tell him everything that I've I've my experience with church. And so he just went off and, and told me all of his things. I'm like, great, that sounds awesome. What do you do with Jesus? You know? And, and that's that's what that's what we talked about. Um, but, but one of these five things 
is going to come up in a conversation. And what we want to encourage you to do is to realize and to remember the great opportunity that you have to take a step and to share about the good news of Jesus in relationship to God's design. You don't have to beat them over the head and tell them how bad they are or, or anything like that. You can highlight and celebrate the goodness of God's design. There's a book that we're kind of using as a, a, in the background of this series. We'd encourage you to hop on Amazon and buy it. I think it's about 10 bucks uh, for it, but uh, turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations. And, and what this book outlines in this is a process that we're going through. And so you have an everyday conversation, and something comes up, a problem, an issue, or a concern. Probably one of these five things we're talking about this morning you could think about, and it comes up. And then, then you have a little bit of a transition. And you, you use that to springboard into another part of the conversation. And then you, you use a gospeling tool. This book highlights, and, and what we're talking about in this series is a tool called the three circles. Uh, some of you may have other tools or other ways to talk about the gospel. Awesome. That's great. You know what the best one is? The one you actually use. Like, let's do that. And then there's an invitation and a response, and then they would encourage you to say, hey, why don't you have the same conversation with somebody else? So in, in our last few moments together, I just kind of want to walk through and give you like some practical ways that you can do this and, and to springboard, to, to transition, to go and to have an intentional conversation about the gospel. So we've, we've highlighted five areas that, that, that are probably going to come up in everyday conversation that are possibilities for you to, 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 to talk about the good news of Jesus and God's design. And so here are some transition phrases. Here are some, some ways that, that maybe you could, you could write them, and you know, it's always awkward when you're trying to like write grammatically correct, or, and this probably isn't, our grammar people will highlight the mistakes I made, but uh, you know, here are some things that you could say, that you could put into your own words when one of these comes up. Did you know that's not the way it's supposed to be? When somebody's complaining about work, when somebody's upset that, that you can bake bread in mailboxes out in the Southwest right now, you know, like when, whatever, whatever the case may be, like, did you know that that's not the, the way that it's supposed to be? And then I said, well, what do you mean? Well, actually, God designed us to be, have our work be rewarding, or, or God designed the environment to, to be perfect, or, or whatever the case may be. Can I share why that's the way God, God designed it to be? Somebody's celebrating. They had a great day. They, something good happened. A, a relationship went well unexpectedly, or, or whatever the case may be, or, or you know, reconciliation, something that, and you can come along, and you can highlight, you can celebrate. Hey, can I, can I tell you, like, this is awesome, and, and it's, it's awesome because this is just the way that God designed it to be. Uh, why do you think God designed us to, and then you can, you can fill in the blank. Why, why do you think God designed us that way? Uh, isn't it great that God made work or relationships, the environment, whatever you're talking about that way? Why do you think he did that? Uh, you're right, that's broken. Do you know 
God doesn't want it like that? Can I share with you the, the way that he wants it? And these are just some, some somewhat normal, you put them in your own words, transition phrases where when somebody brings up one of these five areas of God's design, and when you're having lunch together or whatever the case may be this week, that, that you could use to transition to have an intentional conversation that introduces faith and the gospel into it. I won't speak for uh, Alex, who's going to, to, to preach next week, although I'm pretty sure he's going to do it. Uh, I just wanted to run through, and we want to highlight, part of what we want to do with this series is, is introduce to you this three circles tool. And so as we wrap things up this morning, I just, I just kind of want to walk through this with you and show you how it might work. So somebody, somebody talks about and they're upset about the, the heat wave or, or that type of thing, and, and you're talking about it, and you can, you can say this, and I'd encourage you, if you've got a little napkin or a scratch piece of paper, you can even write this out on a piece of paper so they help you get through the conversation and, and something that they could take with, with them. But, but you can say something like this, like, did you know that, that God designed our world to be perfect? That, that creation was designed to, to, to be the perfect environment, that there weren't cataclysmic storms or, or hurricanes or, or earthquakes or, or any of that, that, that animals were, were perfectly designed to get along with one another and, and humans rather than, than being scared of spiders or sharks or, you know, whatever the case may be, like... We're, we're, we're perfectly meant to live in, with one another. Or you could, you know, whatever topic that you're starting with and, and talk about that. But <laughs> that's not the, the way that it is anymore, right? Things are broken. Like, like we, we shouldn't have to do wellness checks on people because of the heat. Or we, we shouldn't need to, to, to have a bad relationship with our boss. Or, or we shouldn't have a, a marriage that, that's difficult. And, and those things are, are broken. And, and we feel that in our, in our lives. And, and the Bible has a word that describes that brokenness. That's what the, the Bible calls sin. And sin is, is any step away from God's design. When we leave the way that God's designed it to be, it's sin in our life, and, and it results in brokenness. But just like I don't leave a broken glass or, or, or something broken uh, around my kids, we don't like that either. So we try to, try to fix it. The problem is the things that, that we look to fix it, whether it's relationships or, or substances or, or work or whatever the case may be, ends up taking us further and further away from God's design. And, and we can't fix it ourselves. We, we can't do it ourselves. But God 
knew that. <laughs> so God said, you guys keep making a mess of this. I give you a perfect creation, you mess it up, you try to fix it, it just gets worse. I give you perfect relationships, you mess them up, you try to fix it, it just gets worse. Jesus comes into the picture. He, he came, he lived a perfect life. He lived the, the good life. He lived the life completely the way that God designed it. And yet, he died on the cross. And the reason that he died was to pay the penalty for, for our sin, for the brokenness. Just like there might be consequences when my kids break something, there's consequences in our life. And Jesus took those consequences upon himself and died in our place. And then he rose from the grave to show that we're forgiven, but also that the brokenness is fixed because the ultimate brokenness, death, could not contain him. And the way that we begin to, that we get this brokenness fixed in our life is that we repent and we believe. And repent is, is kind of a churchy word that, that just means turn away. And we, we turn away from our misguided attempts to fix the brokenness in our life. And we turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, it's you alone that can fix the brokenness in my life. And when we believe that in faith, we can recover and pursue God's design. And that he begins working us with us. He gives us life with him forever where we can recover and pursue God's design. And then the question that you would ask and the question that I ask you this morning, where are you at on this little chart? Where are you at? Are you in brokenness? Are you somewhere over here? What's stopping you from repenting and believing? And I would ask you that question this morning, right now. Where are you at? If you're over here in brokenness, what's stopping you from repenting and believing? What's stopping you from, from leaving the, the impact of your sin and turning to God for forgiveness and life with him. And as we say virtually every week here, all, all you have to do is admit that you're broken, admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus died for you, and then, then confess, acknowledge that, that, that reality and, and declare to him your faith in Jesus Christ and you can be saved even in this moment. We're encouraging you over the next uh, couple of months to have these table conversations. And in fact, we've got a goal of having a hundred of them. All right, I got one of them done this week. Maybe we'll hear about some of you that, that had conversations as well this week. Um, and we, we, we want you not just to have a great meal with people or, or a great time with people, but that you'd seek and prayerfully have the opportunity to have intentional conversations with, G, uh, with your friends and family, your, your people, about Jesus. And the goal is that they would make this decision, not that you can do it, all you can do is share, 
but that God would work in their hearts and bring them to the point of repentance and belief. And that one day that we could be celebrating with you and with them baptism. And we, we've got uh, uh, one of the videos, one of the stories of a baptism that happened just a couple of weeks ago. And, and we're going to include as many of these as possible during this series to just remind us and motivate us. Like this is what it's all about. Seeing people's lives transformed. Seeing people step towards Jesus. Seeing people become followers of his. Enjoy as we hear Logan's story. My name is Logan Ammon. Uh, I got connected to, to Branch through my in-laws, who started going here uh, several months prior to us, and then we decided to come check it out one week. I grew up in a Christian household, going to church my entire childhood, and even went to uh, a private Christian school um, up until high school. Um, so I constantly heard about Jesus. So I've kind of had a mixed spiritual journey um, growing up in the church, you know, came to know Jesus, accepted him as my savior as a kid. Um, couldn't tell you all the details of that, but kind of as I got older, I um, through kind of late high school and college years and early 20s kind of wandered away from faith. Um, and kind of as I got older, realized um, and wanted a family, how important that was to me and to my um, life and uh, kind of got reconnected um, as I got into my late 20s and uh, I started my dating my now wife. The decision to get baptized is kind of, I've heard for the last at least several months, if not longer, um, how important it is and uh, kind of something that's been weighing on me for a while, hearing, you know, Alex talk about um, how important that is, is it, you know, step of faith to you know show others um, that you believe and um, how you want to live your life. Supporting me in my baptism today is my wife Emily, uh, our son Holden, and all the friends from our small group um, that have gotten really close with here at Branch. Hey guys, thanks for listening through that conversation today. And my prayer is that you'll be able to have powerful conversations in the days and weeks ahead where you can share your faith and see others come to faith. If that happens and someone comes to Christ because of your table talk, would you let us know? The best way you can do that is filling out your connection card anytime online at branchlife.church. We're there 24 seven, and we would love to hear how God is using this series in your life. Don't forget to join us next time as we continue to have more conversation around the talk of the table.